Lord, I just thank you so much for this wonderful morning that you've given us. I thank you for your amazing grace. And just like we sang, that you paid it all for us, God. I just thank you so much for all that you've done in our lives, God. And I just pray that this morning you would speak to us through your word and that we would be transformed, God. That we would not leave the same people that we are, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to give us a hunger for your word and a desire to be transformed by it, God. I pray, Lord, that um, you would speak through Melanie and I, and I just pray that this would be uh, just a great time for us to be encouraged through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So today, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. So if you can turn there, that would be great. I just wanted to talk a little bit about a, a problem I used to have. Now... I, well, I kind of still have it, but uh, I, I used to have really bad sinus problems, like uh, really congested all the time, and it got to the point where uh, I started scaring Brittany at night. Uh, I would stop breathing, and then she would nudge me, and then I'd start breathing again. <laughs> so she said, you really need to go to the doctor, and I was like, okay, I'll go to the doctor. So I finally went to the doctor, and the doctor did a bunch of tests on, on me, and one of the things that came up is that I was, one of the reasons why I was having problems is I was really allergic to chicken. And I know that sounds really weird, but that was the case. <laughs> and I was kind of okay with that, you know. There weren't too many forms of chicken that I liked. I liked bacon-wrapped chicken, I liked deep-fried battered chicken, and chicken pot pie. But that was kind of it. So it wasn't like that big of a deal that I couldn't eat chicken anymore. It was actually kind of more of a glorious day because that meant that I would mainly focus my meats on like beef and bison, which are both favorites for me, so both really good things. And I'm sorry if I'm making you guys hungry. But, Mark, do you mind turning to the next screen? So yeah. It's like something like this, you know, just something so juicy and flavorful. And like, you, you look at this, right? And you look at the little seasons on here. Like, I don't know what those green things are, but they're probably really good. But uh, just think about that going into your mouth, right? And all the flavors that are just exploding on your taste buds. Like, it's, it's truly, it's a mouth-changing experience, right? But what if someone didn't put those green things on there and didn't put any of the seasoning on there? What would it taste like? It wouldn't taste that great, right? It just tastes kind of like this thing that's kind of chewy in your mouth. It, it wouldn't be that flavorful. Or for, for you vegetarians, like, what if, what if they didn't put salt on your french fry? <laughs> like, or, or let's say you ate Indian food. What if there were no seasons in the Indian food? It wouldn't taste that great, right? But the salt on this meat makes it like a party inside your mouth. There's like a little flavor parade going down your throat. And, and when I eat food that's not well seasoned, I think, oh man, where's the salt? I need to pour a lot of salt on this thing, you know, get some flavor coming off of this thing. Or french fries that don't have salt on it, you got to put salt on it, right? Well, we are to the earth what salt is to steak or french fries. <laughs> Just we're what make it taste good, right? That's what we're designed to be. And the instructions that Paul has given us... Sorry, I missed all my slides. <laughs> the instructions that Paul has given us up to this point 
uh, are about our saltiness. They're about how we're going to season this world. Because this world leaves an awful taste, right? There's so many evil things in this world. Uh, Paul talks about those things, and he, he tells the Colossians to put those things to death in chapter 3. And, and I just put up here just sort of a summary. Oh, no, this is the passage of the old self in chapter 3. But Paul says to put to death things like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. Those are all the things that makes this earth terrible, really. Uh, and then he te- Paul talks to us about putting on the new self. Uh, this slide will first be in English, the next slide will be in Spanish. But Paul, Paul tells us to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. He tells us to put on love, let the peace of Christ rule our hearts, to be thankful, let the Word of God dwell in us richly. And then I, I didn't put this up there, but uh, Colossians chapter 3, 18 through 4, verse 1. Um, Paul talks about godly relationships and interactions between husband and wife and master and slave and uh, father and child, father and son. And, and these are the things that distinguish us, right? These are the things that make us the salt and light of this earth. And today we're going to look at Paul's final instructions in the letter... Uh, in his letter to the Colossians about living the way that Christ designed us to live. And Jesus, Jesus describes this life, or Jesus describes us in this way. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are the flavor parade. <laughs> we are the flavor parade. We are the ones who provide the taste. And in this passage that we're going to look at today, Paul provides and finishes with some powerful instructions for us to be the salt and light of this earth. So let's go ahead and read Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. It says... Uh, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So in order for us to be salt and light of this earth, we must believe that prayer is the oxygen of new self. That we can do nothing apart from God 
and that we must walk wisely towards outsiders and speak graciously to all. So how is prayer the oxygen of the new self? Well, this prayer that Paul's talking about in verse 2 is not just any kind of prayer, but it's constant prayer. He's saying continue steadfastly in prayer. So what does that mean? Praying all the time, right? <laughs> uh, and, and the thing that I love about what Paul says here is that he says to pray all the time with thanksgiving, right? So, you know, it's so easy for me to go to God and complain. And to go to God with an unthankful heart for all that He's done in my life. Um, and to go with the wrong attitude. And it's so easy to, to ask God for things uh, to spend on my own passions. Like it says in James chapter 4, verse 3, it says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your own passions. So it's not just about praying all the time, but it's also about praying all the time and checking our hearts as we continue to pray all the time. So are, are we praying with thank, thanksgiving? Are we praying with thankfulness? And are we pl- praying for the right things? And as I was processing through this, I asked myself the question, you know, how do we get to this point in, in prayer? Like where we're praying steadfastly, where we're praying all the time with thanksgiving. And I believe it, it really comes to the point, we really can come to this point when we realize that we're in desperate need of God in every part of our lives. And there's this, this book I read and I love. It's called A Praying Life. It's by a guy named uh, Paul Miller. And I, I love the way he put this thought. He said, A praying life isn't simply a morning prayer time. It is about slipping into prayer at odd hours of the day, not because we are disciplined, but because we are in touch with our own poverty of spirit, realizing that we can't even walk through a mall or our neighborhood without the help of the Spirit of Jesus. For me, La Luz brought moments like this. <laughs> moments of, of desperation, <laughs> of discouragement, and even frustration sometimes. Um, there, there were definitely times where I felt like giving up. <laughs> it was like, or I was thinking like, oh man, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> like, we have no idea what we're doing here. We, we've never done a benefit dinner together. We've never done any of these things together. And even when the, the soccer coach had uh, canceled and he wasn't able to come out, I was thinking, oh, what are we going to do? I, I've never run a clinic. I don't know how to do this. I've played soccer before, but how do you do like a clinic with drills and stuff? I don't know. But it continued to lead us to prayer. We continually sought God through each of those circumstances. And uh, I remember when uh, we had the coaches meeting to go over the drills and things. And, and we just prayed that God would uh, give us ideas and make things clear. And He totally did. After that meeting, I felt so relieved. I was like, oh, we, we have a clinic. We actually know what we're going to do. This thing, it, we have some ideas here. It's going to be great. And literally the night before the clinic started, God provided another coach for us that we desperately needed. And all throughout La Luz, we, we prayed desperately. We were asking God 
to help us. We're asking God to bring together all the details of the benefit dinner, the clinic, all these things that we had never done before. And but our desire, our desire was to love this neighborhood, right? That's what we wanted to do. And because we were like, well, we don't know how, it led us to pray. It led us to constantly go to God. And really, when I was looking, thinking through this and looking back on the lose, it really caused me to cry out, Abba, Abba Father, you know, Daddy. Like, it's that point when you're a child and you, like, when you're like a child and you realize you can't do it on your own, that you need God's help. And, like, I don't know, I hear, like, Trent's kids or Nydia's kids crying out, Mommy or Daddy, like repeatedly <laughs> when they need something. And it's just like a constant, like, just help me. Like, I, I can't do it. What I see, though, too, is like, Lelouz is, is not the only situation or the only time, right, that we're to be salt and light. We're to be salt and light all the time. This is a, a constant thing. And so what, what are some ways that we can do that? Well, as we're reading this passage, it talks about constant prayer with thanksgiving. So we, we must pray as though we're in constant battle, fighting our own evil desires, our own evil desires to sin, to fall into temptation. We must be praying for others. Uh, we meet with discipleship partners, right? And um, that, that's just a, we're, we're confessing sin to one another. We're talking about our struggles. And that's a wonderful time where we can fight for each other through prayer. And not even just during that time, but as we go throughout our weeks, fighting for each other in prayer. What about praying for those who frustrate us? <laughs> and not, I don't mean that they don't frustrate us anymore, but praying something for them that you would want prayed for yourself. Praying for their benefit. God wants us to pray for all the people around us and be thankful for all that God has done in our lives, trusting that He has everything in control, realizing that we are always in desperate need of His strength to bring Him glory. And in these next two verses, verses 3 and 4, we can see that Paul understood this. Paul's prayer request showed that he believed he could do nothing apart from God, that he needs prayer to do the very thing that God had designed him to do. So I'm going to go ahead and read verses 3 and 4. At the same time, pray for us, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. When Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison for preaching the gospel, for declaring the mystery of God. And, you know, literally and figuratively, he's, he's praying for a way, a way out to continue to share the good news. He's praying for an open door to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And what, what was neat to me about this passage is that this was the very thing that put him in prison in the first place, but he desires to serve God, and so he wants to go back out and continue to do that. And whatever may come, whatever he may face, he wants to continue to declare the gospel to people. And then in the next part, in verse 4, Paul asks for prayer in making the message clear. Paul was humble in this moment. 
he recognized that he could not make the message clear without the Creator guiding his mouth. He understood his need for God. I mean, Paul, right? The guy preached the gospel all the time. Like, we think about him as the, the great preacher. <laughs> but he knew that he needed God to make his words clear. For a while, as a church, I understand we were having difficulties getting into the rec center to reach out to the neighborhood. We had, we had prayed and prayed and prayed that God would give us wisdom and understanding and how to love the people here and how to care for this neighborhood well. And I'm I, sorry, just to give a frame of reference, uh, I'm talking about like last summer when we, we were praying and praying, just asking God, well, how do we reach out to this neighborhood? How do, we, how do we love this people? And that's when we had the idea of uh, Posada. And uh, which really God used to initiate La Luz. Do you, guys, do you guys remember last December when Manny, Manny was cranking the curtain up? There's like this huge curtain in uh, the uh, rec center there. Like super, I don't know, maybe like a foot deep uh, for each panel. And it's super large. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Manny was cranking this thing. There's a giant cable to pull it up. And then as he was pulling it up, it was almost all the way to the top, and the cable snapped, and the thing came crashing down. It made a loud noise. It's like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> and, and because this giant curtain wall fell, Larry, the park director, came out to you know, check on things and see how things were going. And when he saw so much of the neighborhood there, he's like, oh, we got to talk. We got to talk about how we can work together. We got to talk about what we can do for this neighborhood. And before meeting with Larry, there's a few of us discussing uh, what, what we would do. And we were talking about the La Luz slash benefit dinner. And just like, oh, uh, we should show Larry this. And, and when Manny saw it, he, he wrote, he got super excited. And he wrote this super long email with tons of excitement in it, imagining, like, man, what could happen? And the words he used, and this is why I'm using this, he used an open door, that God provided an open door for us for the gospel. Like, we, we didn't really have a way to, to proclaim the gospel in, in that area, but then now we had this opportunity because of what God had done uh, through Posada. And we had no idea what to do, right? But God, I feel like, I don't know. I was just thinking about this. Lelouz was my last six months, so that's why I'm talking about it a lot. <laughs> but, like, literally, the, God was so gracious to us, right? All the details, all the little things that could have totally gone wrong just, like, came together. And for me, it, like, looking back on it, it so many answered prayers, so many beautiful things that God did. And I really, I even put this in my notes, like, I just, so I didn't forget, I, w I wanted to say thank you to all of you, because, like, this has been one of the greatest experiences for me, because I, I love being with the body uh, that wants to engage the neighborhood, like, this is great, and then, 
I also love that we realize that we need God to do these things. Was, like, that's what I, I love about this body, and I, I love working together. And so we can do nothing without Jesus, right? We must remain connected to Jesus. And some, some questions that I have for us to process through is, are you dependent on Jesus to where, like Paul, you would humbly pray for the ministry you do on a regular basis? Things like discipleship. Like one, one thing I was thinking through is just even praying for the time that we're going to meet. You know, praying for the time before we meet that it would be encouraging, that it would be uh, fruitful times. Uh, another question I had for us is, am I following God in such a way that I desperately pray? It is so easy to look at what God says in the Bible and His commands and think, oh wow, that's really hard. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that one. And, and just kind of discard it and think, I'll, I'll work on that thing later. <laughs> or, you know, we could go to God in prayer and ask God to transform our hearts in that thing. Another question is, is there anything in my life that I think I have a handle on that I don't go to God with anymore? I, I, kept, I kept thinking about how Paul, like, of all the prayer requests he had, he asked that he, he could have prayer for um, making the gospel clear, that he would speak clearly. The guy did it all the time, right? You would think that maybe he would ask for something else, but he understood that he couldn't do what God had called him to do without God's strength. There is no way. So, so let's be humble and desperate people that pray, giving God glory for all He does. So we've talked about praying constantly with thanksgiving and desperately with humility, understanding that we can do nothing apart from God. And in these next two verses, Paul discusses how the Colossians should interact with those outside the church. And I really see these instructions as so important for us to hear as we want to be a light to this neighborhood. And these instructions are really, really broad. <laughs> and, so, and we'll talk about that in a second. But let's take a look at verses 5 and 6 here. It says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So what, what I like about these two verses is that they address both the words that the Colossians speaks, speak and the actions that the Colossians do. So both word and deed are being addressed. And, and Paul gives these instructions to the Colossians as, as a reminder to, for them to walk in wisdom towards those outside the church and make the best use of their time. And, you know, as the Colossians were living as the salt and light of the earth, they were interacting with people in their neighborhood. They were interacting with people in their workplace and their circles of influence. And it's an interesting fact that the Colossians actually 
they had only 24 hours in a day. And it's also interesting to note that Jesus' return was imminent, right? And so how, the question is, when and how should the Colossians interact with the people around them? And the same thing is true for us. When and how do we interact with the neighborhood around us? Also, Paul's encouraging them to let their speech be gracious. And always means all the time, right? <laughs> always. Uh, to, to give others the benefit of the doubt. To give people grace and to seek understanding objectively. And this attitude will help the Colossians and us as they are salt and light to those outside the church. And again, Lelouz, it's no surprise. Lelouz had both of these elements, right? We, we had both the word and we had both action. We had the opportunity to love the kids of Canoga Park through relationships, soccer, and providing a way for them to play in the fall soccer league. And, and looking back on the whole thing, I really believe that God led us here. That God gave us the wisdom to move in this direction. I mean, there are so many needs in, in, in this neighborhood, right? There's so many things that we could have done, so many places of hurt and sadness. And we could have addressed any of these things. But like the Colossians, we only have 24 hours in a day, right? <laughs> we, we have a limited amount of time. And I really do believe that uh, the clinic and the benefit dinner is what God led us to through circumstances and prayer. We had an opportunity to love the kids through word, through the things that Manny shared. And during the times that the huddle leaders and the coaches spent with the kids and talking with the kids and interacting. We had the opportunity to speak graciously to the people of Canoga Park. And we had the opportunity to be the light. And so the question is, how do we interact wisely and speak graciously as we seek to love and word and deed? And as I was thinking about this, this is like a, a huge uh, question mark, right? I mean, so this is really a case-by-case -case basis. But as I was just processing through it, I was thinking about, well, what is like the fundamental principle here that we can hold on to as we try to live out what Paul is saying here? And uh, I turned to Proverbs uh, 1, verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the fundamental principle, a wisdom principle. Fearing God, being in total awe of His power to, and His love to understand that He has the power to save us. He also has the power to, to put us to death. But he, he loved us so much that He didn't leave us for dead, right? He came and He rescued us. He sent His Son to die for us and save us. And God, God, the amazing thing is that God loved us even though we hated Him. We despised Him, but He still did all those things for us. And so through grace... And the death, through the grace of God, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
We've become a part of God's family. And this wasn't because of us. This was all because of God. So I, I wrote down some more questions for us to process through as we think about what it means to, to speak graciously and walk wisely. As you've interacted with the neighborhood and at your workplace, what are ways that you have walked in wisdom toward outsiders? And what are ways that you could have walked with more wisdom towards outsiders? Have there recently been moments when, where you wish you had spoken graciously? And are you going to God in prayer to speak graciously and to understand how to speak graciously? And as I was thinking through this, I was thinking of different examples and stuff like that, but I, I just... I, it, this, this is the kind of thing where... We learn through God's word, prayer, and practice. It's not just, there's not just like a one hard, fast rule. It's really case by case as we interact with people, what would be the most gracious thing to speak to a certain person or what would be the wisest thing to do. So I didn't want to give like any specific examples because it's such a huge topic. But I love the way a friend of mine put it. He said, you just got to get in the game. You got to get in the game to understand these things. And um, if you'd like to go into more depth on this, there's a, a few books that I can recommend. One is For Theirs is the Kingdom, When Helping Hurts, Generous Justice, and Ministries of Mercy. And it, they, they each go just through the process of thinking through and evaluating our hearts on like through d- tons of different scenarios and just like what it what it means to love and so we must learn to constantly pray through and in these events again just it's not just like in a in one meeting but it's all the time it's constant with thanksgiving And we must be poor in spirit and cry out to Dad for constant help, strength, endurance, and wisdom. The other day, uh, our car had a lot of problems. (laughs) So we had taken it to the shop to get a a bunch of things fixed. It was like leaking stuff everywhere and all these different things. But I actually, I I like those times because that means Brittany and I get to carpool to work because she needs the car for the day, so we go together. And so it gives us like 30 to 40 minutes to hang out and talk with each other and stuff. And it's a lot of fun. (laughs) And as, as we were driving this last week to work, I had one of those moments, you know, where you're like, oh man, I, I really want to pray right now. But at the same time, like, uh, I don't really want to pray right now. <laughs> like, that sounds really good, and it sounds like a good thing to do, and I know it will be fruitful right now, but I feel like just, I guess, lazy. I don't know what it is. I just, I just didn't want to. And um, it, it's weird because I know that it would be good for us. I know that uh, we, would, we would gain focus 
uh, on Christ if we begin to pray. And the truth is, is that we're, we're both in desperate need of prayer. And so when we started praying, like all these things started just coming to our minds as we began to pray. And we're like realizing like, I mean, just as we're praying more and more prayer requests, like decisions, people, details, just things in Canoga Park, the camping trip, whatever else is going on. There's just like one thing after another. So we must come to the realization that in order, to be, in order for us to be salt and light, we must believe prayer is the oxygen of the new self. We can do nothing apart from God, and we must walk wisely towards outsiders and be gracious to all. So what's your desire? Do you want to join in the battle to put on the new self and fight the old self through prayer? To fight for one another in prayer. To fight for Canoga Park through prayer. And to love all people of all backgrounds and walk wisely towards them and speak graciously towards them. It is a difficult and tiring thing. Not going to lie. <laughs> but we can't, the, the reason why is because we can't do it on our own. But we, the wonderful thing is that we have a very strong, powerful dad. <laughs> the creator of the universe. And through God and God alone, we will be the salt to the Canoga Park steak. And for you vegetarians, the salt to the Canoga Park vegetable stew. <laughs> Lord, I thank you so much for this time. And I just pray, Lord, that um, you, would, you would make us desperate people, Lord. That we would want you all the time. That we would recognize our need for you. Our need to be in prayer. Understanding that we need to cry out to Dad for help. I pray, Lord, that you would transform us. And that we would not be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen.